Uh, good evening. It is good to see you all here tonight. If you're praying for rain, you can stop, okay? You've been very effective. I need you to pray for a couple of problems I have, but stop praying for rain. You know, we just finished the, uh, the main part of, of commencement time in, in America. With, you know, there will be graduations in the summer and things too, but, but for high schools and colleges and nowadays even junior high and pre-K and uh, one-year-olds who are moving up to the two-year-olds, you know, we have graduation ceremonies. And one of the things that graduation speakers say often uh, and, and, they, and they're, they're coming from, from a right place. They, you know, they say, you need to go out and find your passion. Find, find yourself and be true to yourself uh, as you enter into the real world. And, and that's, I understand what they're saying, but I think they're starting with the wrong premise, at least for a Christian. As a Christian, it's not about me starting with me. It's about me starting with God. And, and it's about me finding what God would have me do with my life. Now listen to me. If you can find out what God wants you to do with your life and you will do what God wants you to do with your life, that's where you will be in your passion. That's where you will be fulfilled and that's where you will be effective. That is super important to get a hold of. We're going to be in Judges chapter 6 this evening. We're looking at Gideon. It's a, uh, we started on Gideon a few weeks ago and it's a great story. Gideon gets... The most press in this book, Samson, who we're seeing on Sunday morning, gets the second most. But we're going to talk about finding God's will tonight in a, in a controversial but a very important to understand subject about finding God's will through specific signs or different kinds of almost miraculous things. Now, I want to get, begin with this. God can speak through signs. Now, obviously, God can do anything he wants to do. But God is bound by his word. And by that I mean God can't lie because God said he can't lie. Uh, God is true to who he says he is. But when we look in the Bible this evening, I want us to see again something that's controversial but it's very important. And that's God speaking in supernatural ways. Israel was in trouble, just a real brief background. That's the, that's the story of the book of Judges. Israel is in trouble, they get out of trouble, they get back in trouble by doing what's wrong. The Midianites were beating them down. I mean, they were in bad shape. The heavy pressure, things were not going well, things were tough. And God sends an angel to this, this nobody, Gideon, and he tells him, Listen, hey, buddy, you're going to be the next deliverer, the judge, which is like a leader uh, of the people, and you're going to be a military leader, and you're going to do this for me, and you're going to be successful. The only problem was is that Gideon was not a military man. He was not a leader. He was an insignificant person. So this is, this is pretty tough stuff for him. And even though an angel was speaking to him, he's struggling with the reality of it. How many of you struggle with knowing God's will? How many of you sometimes, even when you feel like you know God's will, you still have a lot of doubts in there? Okay, that's, that's real normal. Let's start in verse 17. Let's read 17 through 19 to give us a, the, the first part of the story. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes. God, if I found favor, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please don't go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went in and he prepared a young goat. And from an ephah, and an ephah is a, is a standard of measurement, a flour, and this is a gigantic bunch of flowers. He made bread without yeast, unleavened bread. He put the meat in a basket, and it's broth in a pot, and he brought them out and offered them 
to him under the oak. Now, this would have been a typical meal, and this was a very uh, expensive, nice meal. This is a time when these people economically and agriculturally were struggling. So it's a significant thing. And he's meaning it as maybe a meal, but certainly going to be an offering. Verse 20, he said, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. A lot of times, even with pagans, they would use an, a rock as an altar, a place to worship. And with the tip of his staff that was in his hand, the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. How many of you believe Gideon got a sign? I guarantee you. Go home and try this with some pizza tonight. And if it disappears like that, God has said something to you. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he explained, Oh, sovereign Lord, I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Uh, He thought he was going to die. But the Lord said to him, Peace, don't be afraid. You are not going to die. Gideon needed to know God was going to be with him. God spoke to him. God showed up. With an angel, but he was still having doubts. Now he's getting ready to go to battle. And verse 36 through 38, tell the second part of this story. Gideon said to God, God, if you will save Israel by my hand. He's already told him he's with him. He said, now are you going to save them as you promised? Look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there's dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece, wrung out the dew, and a bowl full of water came out of that fleece. You know what fleece looks like? We've got a picture of some fleece, I think. That was at a WMU sheep fleece party that we had. Uh, I can't identify the ladies, but... Um, He prayed to God. He said, God, I need to know before we go into battle and the air start flying that you're going to use me to deliver these people. A threshing floor, talked about this two weeks ago, normally is either done out in the open or in a big, big area. And either you, you were doing it on a rock floor or a very hard dirt floor. Now, if you remember in the first part of this chapter, Gideon was threshing grain in a wine press because he was afraid and because he's trying to preserve the grain from being stolen. A wine press was basically a hole in the ground dug out, but you still had the same type of floor. It was either rock or it was dirt. And so, although this is supernatural, he gets up in the morning and the, the fleece is full of water, of dew, so much so that he fills a bowl up with it and all the rock or the dirt around it, hard dirt, is dried. Now, here's the thing that kind of stumped Gideon. That could be semi-normal, not the amount of water, but you go out in the morning, early in the morning, your grass can be wet, but your driveway may not be, right? So Gideon said, oh, I got a doubt, I got a doubt. God, can I come back to you one more time? Let's look at these next verses, what happens here. Verse 39 through 40, Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me. That's always a good way to pray, isn't it? Let me ask one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. This time, uh, make the fleece dry and the, and the, the ground covering the dew, uh, make it wet. 
that night God did so. Only the fleece was dry, all the ground was covered with dew. Now, both of them are miracles. This is a bigger miracle. When he gets up and the wool, which would normally obviously take in the water more, is completely dry and the rock or the hardened floor around it is wet, God gave him a sign. How many of you have heard the term, I'm going to put out the fleece? I'm going to put out the fleece with God. You know, that, this is where it comes from. I'm going to ask God to show me in a supernatural way. Now, listen, I want to tell you, a lot of people get uptight about this. But I want to tell you, I'm plagiarizing. I'm just going to take, walk you through the Bible tonight. Is that okay? Is that okay? And so, if what I say, some of it bothers you, I'm going to just try to stick real close to the book. And then you can be mad at God. I don't think you're going to be mad at me, but I'm telling you, this is controversial. But here, here's, the, here's the, 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 the real short of this. This guy asked God for a supernatural sign three times, and God gave it to him, okay? What does this say to you and me? Does this say that this is still relevant and valid for us? I believe so, but let's go to point number two. This is very important. It's real important tonight, uh, and I, I hate to say that because I think it is with every sermon, but that you stay with me because... To take that one point I just said home and miss these other one is a huge miss. The second thing is you seek, you seek God through the fundamental ways first and foremost. See, most of us want to go home tonight. We want to say, oh, God, if I'm going to be a millionaire, uh, may the car be covered in green paint in the morning. And uh, may my wife, uh, may she look like she's 20. Well, my wife looks like she's 20, so I'm in good shape. Amen. I'm smart too, aren't I? Smarter than you thought I was. But she is beautiful, that's for sure. Uh, but you've got to seek God the fundamental ways, first and foremost. I'm going to walk through these pretty quick. What are the fundamental ways? Let me give you four things. Number one, through his word. Through his word. Don't, don't ask for a sign when God is clear in his word. True story. I believe I've told you this before several years ago. But uh, a pastor friend told me this. It was about a, a friend of his. I didn't know this guy. The pastor was having an affair. He got involved with someone that wasn't his wife. That can happen to a pastor. It can happen to anybody. They were at a retreat, and he didn't know what he needed to do. Well, he didn't know what he needed to do. But he's confused. He's mixed up. He's messed up. So he's driving around, and he said, God, I told God if a deer will run out in front of my car right now at this moment, I'll know he wants me to get out of that affair. Folks, you don't need a deer to run out in front of your car when the word is clear. You, you hear me? Oh, God, should I tithe? Yes. I said that a little too strongly, didn't I? I don't know if I should share my faith. That's not my gift. Yes, you should share your faith. Well, I I don't really forgive people. Forgive people. Love people. Let me give you two things. If you're taking notes, please write these down. Say these out loud with me. God will never lead you against his word. Let's say that together. God will never lead you, us, against his word. You don't need a sign when the word is clear. You've got your sign. You got me? Here's the second thing. When God's word is clear, God's, his will is clear. When God's word is clear, his will is clear. Is it making sense? Psalms 119 verse 4. You have laid down precepts, commands that are to be What? Fully obey. When the word's clear, you don't have to pray about it. You don't look for a sign. You act on it. Number two, the Holy Spirit. Before you start asking for signs, you study the word. You listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will never lead you against the Bible. This is where people get nervous because we've heard so many weird things. 
I cannot tell you how many times I've seen Christians be mean to other Christians in the, in the name of, well, God told me to do this. No, he didn't. The Holy Spirit will never lead you against the Bible because the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. Right? Well, the Holy Spirit, he just had a different word for you. No, he didn't. That was a spirit, but it wasn't a holy one. John 16, 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only on what he hears. There's a, there's a theology called cessationism. It's built on that word cease. And a cessationist believes that when the Bible was given at the end of the first century, it was completely written, the Holy Spirit doesn't speak anymore. God only speaks through his Bible. The only problem is that's not what the Bible teaches. All through the Old Testament, when people didn't know what to do, they prayed and God showed them. Throughout the New Testament, when the word's not clear, people didn't know what to do, they prayed and the Holy Spirit would lead them. Let me give you some, some examples of this. If you're single, the Bible says you should date and hence marry a what? A Christian. You should marry a committed Christian. But I was not married till I was 35. I was a swinging single for years. I know the scene. That's a joke. Laugh with me. That's, I didn't mean anything weird about that. I just, I was a pastor, okay? I had like two dates a year till I met Cindy. <laughs> a little too much giggling over there. But you can, you can date... You can start dating someone who is a Christian and even committed who is not the person God has for you. You can be offered a job, two different jobs. Great opportunities. They're both moral. They're both legal. They're both good. They're both in the same town. They pay the same. God may clearly want you at one place versus another. That's where the Bible, when the Bible gives those general principles, you never break those. But that's why we have one of the reasons the Holy Spirit is he guides us. And we're making sense. How does the Holy Spirit speak? The the main way he speaks to me is through a peace or an uneasiness. I always tell people when you're praying about something and you feel an uneasiness in your heart, do not proceed. At least yield. Stop where you are. The Holy Spirit. Here's the third thing. The counsel of godly people. Well, I want God to put a hot dog on my table tonight if, if I should go on a diet tomorrow. Amen. I want bluebell on my table tonight. Thank you. That's the strongest amen I've gotten in years. <laughs> and the devil is intervening in the bluebell situation, isn't he? Okay. I want a sign. Well, read the Bible. Number two, listen to the Holy Spirit. Number three, talk to godly people. People who love you, people who love Jesus. Sometimes it's even better to find somebody who loves Jesus and doesn't know you real well. Because your mom and your daddy may love you so much that they, they, get the, they get that blurred. God's will may be for you to be in Africa or China. Mom and daddy want you across the street. Go with God. But godly counsel who doesn't have a dog in the fight can help you with their godly counsel. Number four, wisdom. And they, listen, these are in order. These are in, these are in the order that you should follow them. I follow the Word of God. Second, I go to the Holy Spirit. A whole lot of times, that's all you need right there. Sometimes the, the, the things, are, things are muddy, so you, you talk to other people. Number four, the wisdom part. How does this play out? I love Proverbs 3.5. It's not on the screens. Proverbs 3.5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So a lot of times, my wisdom is not where God is. 
But other times, if I would apply common sense to my situation, I can figure some things out, right? Years ago, Cindy and I had a friend, a wonderful person, had a real bad background, had been heavy into drugs and things, got saved, was just living for Jesus, single, found someone that liked him. The person had a similar background. There was a lot of problems, but hey, that's great. This person had come out of bad background, bad background. They start dating. Three weeks later, they're getting married. And all of us are going, oh my goodness, please. But the Bible, he's a Christian. I can't tell him what the Holy Spirit's telling him. I can tell you the Holy Spirit's not telling you something if it violates Scripture. But I mean, I can't go in. I mean, if Wayne says he feels led to paraglide off the Empire State Building and the Holy Spirit's telling him to do that, I, I can't tell him not to. Stacy can, but I can't. <laughs> Stacy's been kind of enthusiastic tonight. I like that. That's good. But so we tried to talk to this guy. We said, look, if this is God's will that you marry this person, that's, go ahead and get engaged. Wait a year, right? If it's right, it'll be right in a year. No, no, no. God's leading us to get married next week. <laughs> well, they did. They got divorced. He raises the kid. person went back to prison. Wisdom. Wisdom would have said, at least postpone that. Listen, this is a great, this Charles Stanley said this, how do you learn how to hear God? It's like learning a foreign language. The more you study it, the more you practice it, the more you're immersed in it, the better you understand it and the clearer it comes, okay? We believe God speaks through signs, but we start with the fundamentals. So here's the the, the next thing. Seeking a sign is really for the desperate, unclear times in our life. It's for those desperate, hard times in our lives. It's when the Word of God is not clear, when the Holy Spirit, we can't seem to get a grip on it. We talk to other people, and maybe their opinions are varied, and our wisdom is turned upside down. Why is it hard to find God's will? Well, here's one reason. The devil doesn't want you to find it. He's going to fight it. The the higher the stakes, the greater uh, he's going to fight it. Things get blurry. Things get confusing. It's hard to read just the natural, the the fundamental signs. This true story, several years ago, uh, a a missionary from Africa brought his, he worked with college students. He brought some of his students, college students, to Houston for a conference. And this is in 1999. Nobody, hardly anybody had cell phones then. And they didn't have cell phones. And he didn't have a cell phone. And the students wanted to walk one day from the hotel down to a mall, which was near the hotel. So the, the man told him, he said, I'm going to stay here in the room, work. I'll be by the phone. You get lost, call, go to a pay phone. You got quarters, call me. 30 minutes later, they called him. So we don't know where we are. We're lost. He said, one of you hold the phone. The other one go and, and look at the street signs. Come tell me where you are, and I'll come get you. A few minutes later, one of them comes back and says, we're at the corner of walk and don't walk. (laughs) Some of you who aren't as sharp, I'll explain that to you afterwards. But that's funny. But that's confused, isn't it, too? Okay, what was happening? Verse 17, I want to read it again. Gideon said, God, if I found favor in your eyes, give me a sign. Verse 36, Gideon said to God, 
If you're going to save Israel by my hand, as you promised, give me a sign. Here's an ordinary farmer, a guy from a small tribe, an insignificant group of people. He's insecure. He's untested. God's telling him, I want you to be a military leader, a deliverer of your people. You're going to go fight the bad guys who, by the way, are whipping you, your people right now. It's tough. And Gideon said, God, i got to know that this is you in me. When do you step out there and ask God for a supernatural sign? I think it's, it's when things are desperate and they're unclear. I'll tell you one story from my, uh, my sordid life. I, back in 1986, I'd moved, to, I'd moved to seminary. Clayton and Mary were already down there. Mary would feed me occasionally. Clayton wasn't very nice, but uh, they had a dog I loved. So I, I got to spend some time around them. And, but, but I was lonely. I'd been down there six months. I wanted to pastor. I, I wanted to preach. I'd gotten to preach one time since I'd been there back in Tennessee. Before I moved, I was getting to preach at some little church every weekend. And, and so out of the blue, my brother calls me, and, and a guy that we knew, Got a head football coaching job at one of the high schools. Well, I trained to be a coach. I, I coached a little bit. Was going to be a coach before I went into the ministry. And my brother said, Chris, I think he will hire you if you'll move back to Tennessee. So here's what goes through my mind. I can go back to Tennessee. I can coach. I can pastor a little church. And then over the next 35 years, I'll get my seminary degree. <laughs> seminary is tough. I, I, my master's degree was 94 hours. I was six months into a three and a half year degree and I wanted just to move back and coach and and pastor so I I was desperate I wrestled with that and then finally I said God I said I gotta lay this out here God I said I'd sent resumes all over the place I mean I was sending resumes to churches that had pastors when he dies or moves here's my name (laughs) and and I uh, I said God it if you want me to stay in Texas, I said, I, I, give me one opportunity to preach in the next few weeks. God, whether that church calls me or they're interested in me, if I ever hear from again, give me one opportunity. Now, remember, I'd gotten one in six months. A few days later, the Fort Worth Mennonite church called me. Now, you think of Mennonites as people like the Amish. These were liberal Mennonites. I mean, they lived in a really nice house. There's there's a house church. They dressed like we did. The Fort Worth Mennonite Church said, we need someone to preach next week. Can you preach? And I said, are you kidding? I'll come right now. I went and preached. Had a great time. Obviously, I never heard back from them again because they weren't going to call a Baptist preacher. But God said to me, I want you to stay here and finish your schooling. I ended up meeting my wife in Texas. I got a church in about three months. I think when I was desperate and needed a clear, clear call from God, I got it. What about you? Absolutely, I think this applies. I, I think the thing you have to do is you have to exhaust those other things. You, you, you can't do silly things like, well, I'm going to put my car for sale on eBay, and if it sells by five, I move to Seattle. I mean, this is, this is stuff you think through, you pray through, you exhaust your study of the Bible, you listen to the Holy Spirit, you talk to other people. Folks, life's hard. 
life, especially following God, is more like fast-pitch baseball or fast-pitch softball. It's not slow pitch. Slow pitch is for the hitter, right? You've never heard of a great slow pitch pitcher. I mean, obviously you can be a good one or a bad one, but slow pitch is for the hitter. Life, the devil's on the mound. And he throws spitball, curveballs, and beanballs, doesn't he? And sometimes if you're in a desperate situation or it's very unclear, I think that's when you lay it out and ask God to give you some specific answer. I want to give you a fourth thing. Seeking signs should be very rare. Some of you are going to leave here in a moment. You're going to go to Sonic and you're going to pray on the way to Sonic. God, if that operator responds to my call in 15 seconds, it's cheeseburger. If after 15, it's corn dog. God, Show me what to get. I, my belief is, unless your doctor has you on a regiment, eat either one of them. Get both of them. Don't wear this out is what I'm telling you. This is not silliness. This is, see, this is where a lot of people throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's interesting. In studying this this week, scholar after scholar, they, they make fun of Gideon. Oh, he didn't have faith. He was immature. He was shallow. I, I do believe this should be very rare. What's what I mean? Once every 10 years? Some of you are praying for a sign every three days. The Word, the Holy Spirit, godly counsel. This should be rare. But man, God had His grace on Gideon, didn't He? I've experienced that a few times in my life. It's rare. Don't play games with God. That's going to take me to this last thought. If God gives you a sign, you better obey. (laughs) I want to tell you, I've made a thousand mistakes in my life and I've missed God 250 times. But that time when God gave me that preaching opportunity, the thought of moving back to home was gone. And if you lay something out, it needs to be something clear. Not, well, God, if it rains in the next month, that means I move to Hawaii. Well... I'll move to Hawaii if it doesn't rain if I had the opportunity, wouldn't you? I'd come back on the weekend and preach here. I'd commute. But if God shows you something, you better obey Him. But I think it goes back to more than anything else is you've got to just keep seeking God. You've got you to seek His face. You've got to seek His Word. You've got to seek the Holy Spirit's guidance. You've got to seek godly counsel. And on those rare occasions, when after several weeks of confusion or months, and you have to lay that thing out, you lay it out. And then you obey what God tells you to do. Brings me to the invitation. You know, the invitation is not a time when we put our Bibles and our purses up and we sing a song and go. It it should be a time when we obey God. This evening, maybe you're here and you're not a Christian. I believe from the Word of God that it's God's will that you be saved, but you have to say yes. Would you come tonight and give your life to Christ? Maybe you'd like to join the church. God's showing you that you need to do that. You come and do that this evening. Maybe here's a Christian. You want to come and pray with a minister or pray at the altar about some decision. Or maybe some of you just need to go ahead tonight and say, God, I know what it is you want me to do, and I 
will do it. Let's stand.